BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And now the attorney general accuses the FBI of spying on the Trump campaign. We have a political hack for attorney general. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Can you believe it? It's a Thursday, Thursday, April 11, 2019. And here we go. Off and running on this Thursday with the Bill Press show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being part of the program where we uh, take a look at all the headlines of the day, the big stories of the day, and breaking news this morning where Julian Assange, the head of WikiLeaks, the Ecuadorian embassy, finally said, we've had enough of your games. You're playing footsie with uh, people like Roger Stone uh, and Jerome Corsi and Donald Trump and the Russians and other games you've been playing. You have uh, violated your time here at the Ecuadorian embassy where he's been holed up for seven years. We're taking away your asylum, at which point Scotland Yard swooped in and arrested him. And he is now being held by the British police. Also, I think it's it's Sweden or Denmark where he's wanted on sexual assault charges as well and will very likely be extradited to face those charges. Uh, Just one of the big stories that we'll bring you up to date on today as news breaks. This just happened, so there's very little information available. And yes, we'll take a look at Bill Barr's stunning, stunningly irresponsible testimony yesterday uh, on Capitol Hill. All of that coming up. You're com- begging, begging your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. But first... This is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Uh, you're Mr. California, Bill. Have you ever hiked on Mount Baldy in California? I haven't. Okay. No, but I, yeah, well, that's a favorite thing for you know people to do. A lot of people do. Well, two yeah. hikers went out there this past weekend, and they got lost. They've been lost for five days. Uh-oh. Eric DeSplinter and Gabrielle Wallace. They had been missing. They were supposed to come back on the evening of Saturday when they had gone out hiking. Their friends said that they Whoa. weren't back by 8 p.m. 
So they have been looking for them. Well, the good news is they announced late yesterday they have been rescued. They were found. Whoa. Authorities said they found two sets of footprints in the canyon, and they used those footprints to help direct search and rescue helicopters to fly over the area where they found them. They had started a fire. They had lived off of plants that they knew that they could eat in the area. In fact, Eric the Splinter yesterday, after he had been rescued, said he had big plans for when he got home. Very grateful to be found tonight. I'm ready to get to bed and get some rest. Yeah, he just wants to go to bed and get some rest. Uh, he says he was pretty freaked out. They're both experienced hikers, uh, but they had very limited supplies of food and water, so they rationed, uh, and they found some things that they could eat. Man, it's sort of nice that there's still places you can get lost. I agree with that. You know what I, I mean? I absolutely agree with that. Especially but th- in California. Yeah. You know? yeah. All that being said. Yes, I'm glad they're safe. Make sure you know right. what you're doing. Yes. Uh, okay, you, you don't watch Game of Thrones. They, they should have used Waze. They should have used Waze. Yeah. You don't watch Game of Thrones, do you, no. on HBO? Yeah, no, I didn't think you did. Well, it's coming back. The final season begins this weekend. And now, because it's not just about watching it on TV, you've got the on-demand stuff, you've got HBO Go, you can watch on your iPad, your phone, your computer, wherever you want to watch it. So they are saying that the show is expected to be seen in 170 countries by 1 billion people. My God. That's what they expect the new season premiere mm. to pull in. One billion people. Now, again, this doesn't necessarily mean watching it all live at the same no, time. Right. No, but over the course of that week, one billion people, 170 countries will be watching Game of Thrones. That's phenomenal. I mean, love it or hate it, and there's a whole argument for either side, right? It's got... You know, when we, were in New York, when we were in New York, we saw the uh, Tolkien show. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah, oh, sure. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. All right, so you can maybe get into I it. get into it a little bit. <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, we found uh, Donald Trump's tax returns. They were in a great big black hole. We haven't seen the tax returns, but we saw the picture of the black hole where Donald Trump has been hiding them for centuries, eons. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Here we go. It is the Bill Press Show. I told you we'd find them on a Thursday, April 11. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. It's a beautiful springtime, finally, here in Washington, D.C. Come on down. Enjoy the cherry blossoms and all the other uh, flowering shrubs here, and uh, the daffodils and the tulips are all out. It is magnificent. Great time of year. Uh, Yeah, if we didn't have the Trump White House to deal with, we could really enjoy it. Great to see you today. Thank you so much for being part of the program as we come to you live. We start out here, uh, as always, our little studio right here on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol building, but we join you all across this great land of ours and all around the globe. Online on you on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Joining you on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks. Hello, hello, Hoosiers, and in Chicago. So proud to be your morning offering. Uh, we get around the, around the table every day on WCPT in Chicago. And on television, 
look at you looking good on free speech TV coast to coast as well. Yep, lots and lots to talk about. We always love hearing from you and your comments on the news of the day uh, by sending your comments on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Yes, indeed, breaking news this morning. Just as we were prepping here for the show this morning, the news broke that Julian Assange, who has enjoyed sanctity uh, and security in the Ecuadorian embassy in London for the last seven years, uh, the Ecuadorian embassy finally got tired of his antics and his, uh, they say, violations of international conventions, uh, particularly when it came to playing footsie with the Russians and releasing the emails of uh, the Clinton campaign uh, and uh, and his dealings with the Trump campaign at the same time with Roger Stone and Jerome Corsi. We don't know all the details of that, but he was playing games um, and, and from his perch in the Ecuadorian embassy, taking advantage of their hospitality. Um, things have been getting a little tense there. We have been, we've, we've heard. So yesterday the Ecuadorian embassy finally said enough is enough. We are taking away your asylum, at which point Scotland Yard uh, swooped in, uh, we're told this morning, and arrested Julian Assange. If you haven't seen it and it just popped up, the video of uh, <laughs> Julian Assange leaving the embassy, he did not do so willingly. They actually carried him, <laughs> carried him. You can see the Scotland Yard agents, carry, British police, carrying him down the front steps of the agency and putting him in a van and uh, and taking taking him out. So um, seven years, he's also facing charges of sexual assault from one Scandinavian country, forget which one. So he will be um, uh, facing charges both in the UK, uh, and if he's extradited, um, he is facing charges. If he's extradited, he'll face trial for a sexual assault um, to find out exactly where that is but well let's just say you know, at one time it I couldn't remember, have happened to a nicer guy couldn't have happened to a nicer guy i was just going to say you know at one time um i uh, thought well about julian assange way back in the very first release which uh with um boom her name chelsea, chelsea manning. manning chelsea manning yeah um and those those papers i mean i still think what happened to him was was terrible raw deal i mean uh, our national security was not impacted at all by the documents that uh, that Chelsea Manning released. But at any rate, I thought WikiLeaks had done a great public service. Uh, but then they they went on to again this other stuff of of in, interfering in the 2016 campaign uh, on behalf of as acting as an agent basically for the Russian government uh, to undermine a U.S. election. Um, uh, that had nothing to do with. Uh, with the principal mission, if you will, uh, of WikiLeaks. And um, so whatever he gets, he deserves, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we, yeah. we, have, to, we have to admit that what Julian Assange started out doing was a... a it was like a relative, major whistleblower. Yeah, kind of I mean, it was yeah. a noble effort. Yes, yes. It really was a noble effort, and it showed some of the terrible things that we were doing as a country that we were being lied to. Right. Uh, yeah. By the government. They, sure. they were lying to us. And then it was followed up with the Edward Snowden stuff. Right? Yeah. Um, I forget whether WikiLeaks had a part of it. That was really the Guardian that uh, Edward Snowden went to. But at any rate, uh, th there was information just like the Pentagon Papers that the American people had a right to know. Right. 
but this this uh, hacking into people's personal email and releasing personal emails. It really uh, got out of hand. Really got out of hand, and trying to swing the being part of an effort to swing the election in one direction or the other, certainly in the direction of Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, Julian Assange, way, way, way out of line. Uh, and uh, if we get any more details on that uh, story um, as we move along, we'll let you know. But again, uh, not necessarily to say that what's happening with the Trump White House and uh, the Attorney General is not important. But boy, it sort of does take a backseat to the big scientific news yesterday about this black hole. Unbelievable. You know, people have been talking about black holes for like a long time. But it was sort of something that they thought was out there that they would never see, but we would never see because they were too far away and they were too kind of mysterious and we didn't quite, you know, sort of had to believe they were there but had no really proof, visible proof that they're there. Well, now we do. I mean, you don't see a lot in that picture. What you see is like a big nothing, but at the same time, it's something. And the way they got it, they set up, uh, the scientists have been working on this for a long time, and they basically put several different telescopes together, all acting together from different parts of the world that were able to magnify the ability multi, multi times of any one telescope can I, and got this picture. Can I, I want to read to you because I was, I was reading I'm about— fascinated by it. I, 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 I am too, to, yeah. completely. I, w- <laughs> I was reading a, a piece by, about uh, Catherine uh, Booman— who's 29 years old, and she's a computer scientist who had a big hand in helping us bring this. So I just want to read a little bit about what uh, she's been working on. Uh, she was one of about three dozen computer scientists uh, who used algorithms to process data gathered by the Event Horizon Telescope Project, a worldwide collaboration of astronomers, engineers, and mathematicians. Telescopes around the world get collected high-frequency radio waves from the vicinity of Messier 87, a galaxy with a supermassive mm-hmm. black hole 54 million light years yeah. away. Yeah. But atmospheric disturbances and the sparseness of the measurements meant an infinite number of possible images that could explain the data. Well-designed algorithms had to crunch through that chaos, and they finally did. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I don't picture, understand. Ha- I don't understand half pictures, of that I'm stuff. sure the pictures on the front page yeah. of every paper in the country today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, is as you say, Peter, it, 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 it boggles the mind to even try to Truly. wrap your arms around these 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 numbers. But 55 million light years away, yeah. and you're able to get a, a picture like that. I saw a thing. It is six and a half billion times the mass of the sun. Yeah. Six and a half. Think about that. But billion times <laughs> and it's the size of our entire that one black hole the size of our entire solar system and we're looking at it and we're looking at it yeah 62 billion miles across unbelievable literally yeah. boggles the mind yeah i mean that <laughs> i don't even know how to process no that. i mean we can't we can't those that size, that distance, you know, the magnitude of that is just uh, it's just impossible uh, to comprehend. But a glorious day for um, American scientists, scientists around the world, actually. Uh, and um, just, I don't know what it means. I never want to go there. <laughs> um, I don't know. But uh, with the people... Or like who live in that hole. But I can tell you this. Rate, I, I was talking. I'm to my, impressed. I was talking to my kids about it yesterday, and uh, <laughs> I think they summed it up as best as I could. One of my Magnus just said, "That's really cool." 
That, that's all I really have to say about it. It's really cool. That's all you can say. I don't really know where else to go with it. It's just super cool. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, it, it is. It's cool. Okay, so we can say that that is cool. I'll tell you what's not cool. What's not cool is for the Attorney General of the United States to throw around the word spying. So first of all, yesterday, so Bill Barr, he's back up in front of, in front of Congress, and uh, he was talking about, again, the report. That's a big question. He promised the report now by the middle of next week. Of course, Congress will not be in session. That's no accident. That's no surprise. Um, and But he did say for the first time that in his redactions, he's willing to work with Congress to make sure that Congress sees as much as they can, even if some of it can't be released to the public. So first, that we'll, we'll give Bill Barr this one little positive comment. The fact that information is classified does not necess- doesn't mean that Congress can't see it. So I'm willing to work on, on uh, some of these categories. But then he goes, and this is unbelievable. So it's Senator Jean Shaheen from uh, New Hampshire, a uh, great person, um, great senator. She's asking about um, some of these attacks, constant attacks, on the Mueller report and the work of, and James Comey's work as a director of the FBI before Robert Mueller was appointed, uh, where Donald Trump says, you know, uh, has been saying forever, uh, the FBI was on Hillary's side and they were out to get Donald Trump, uh, that the FBI, were they were all political agents uh, and they were trying to undermine the Trump campaign. Um, you expect the Attorney General of the United States to say, "Well, there's no legal evidence of that or whatever." Instead, he buys right in to Donald Trump's rhetoric. I, I think there's spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur. Well, let me. But the uh, question is whether it was predicated adequately predicated and i'm not suggesting it wasn't adequately predicated but i'd need to explore that i mean spying think about it that's incredible what he's saying is that the legitimate he's defining and describing the legitimate work of the fbi as spying and with all of the connotations of that word spying on the trump campaign uh, American intelligence agencies are doing their job, doing their work. And let's remember how this whole thing got started. Here was this guy, Carter Page. This has been documented, not just by the Mueller report, which we haven't seen yet. Carter Page, George Papadopoulos. Carter Page was in the FBI. The FBI had started way back in 2013. He got on their radar because he was having all kinds of meetings in Washington and around with Russian operatives. And this brought the attention of the FBI. Of course, they're listening in all the time, like the Russians listen in on us uh, in Moscow. And there were fears that they, not, not fears, I mean, Russia is always trying to recruit agents here in the United States. And the FBI thought um, Carter Page that's why they were that's why he was that, that's why they wanted to meet with him why they were meeting with him so he raised their suspicions that early then 3 years later he becomes a foreign policy advisor to Donald Trump candidate for president and what is he doing again he's meeting with russians so he's already on their radar 
they see this happening. They want to they, they look into it. Again, this is all documented that Bill Barr ought to know. So the FBI doesn't just start tapping his phones. They don't just start following him around. They go to the FISA court. The FISA court, which is set up to rein in the intelligence agencies to make sure that the intelligence agencies don't go crazy. And just one little aside, we remember that George W. Bush and the wake of 9-11 told NSA to start listening in on every phone call made by every American without going to the FISA court. That's how he got in trouble. But, but the FBI did follow the rules, did follow the law. They go to the FISA court. There are 11 judges on the FISA court, 11 judges. They got a unanimous consent from the FISA court. They presented the evidence and saying, we think this there's something fishy about what this guy Carter Page is up to. They got a unanimous consent from the judges based on that evidence to look into him. That, that ruling by the FISA court was renewed, it doesn't last forever, was renewed three times unanimously by the FISA court. So they were on solid ground. They weren't spying. They were doing their job. And for Bill Barr to say that, you know what it does? It makes him a total, it, it just unmasks him. I believe, as a total political patsy, a total political puppet of Donald Trump. He is saying what Donald Trump has said all along and what Donald Trump said again yesterday. We'll get to that just in a minute. That this whole FBI investigation, that the whole Mueller report was nothing but politics on the part of the FBI agents, not doing the job, just pure politics because they didn't want to see Donald Trump as president of the United States. And I got to say again, if any Democrat, if Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or any other Democrat had ever accused the FBI of being political spies, they're, they're, they would have been run out of town. But, you know, Donald Trump routinely, routinely demeans the work of our intelligence agencies. He said he didn't believe them about Russia. Uh, a spot uh, being interfering in the in this election when all of them uh, put out have uh, concluded that Russia was in fact trying to undermine the election. Donald Trump he didn't believe them. Uh, Donald Trump demeaning the our intelligence agencies and our law enforcement agencies, Department of Justice, the FBI, and all the rest. And people just shrug and say, "Well, that's Donald Trump being Donald Trump." We thought Bill Barr was above that. We thought Bill Barr was a little bit better. We thought Bill Barr was, um, I mean, he was Attorney General for George H.W. Bush, that he was not some crazy Trumper. It turns out that's exactly who he is. After two days in Capitol Hill, we see we do not have an independent Attorney General of the United States whose mission is to protect the rule of law. We see we have a political puppet whose mission is there to protect Donald Trump. Period. Adam, Adam Schiff, head of the House Intelligence Committee, after the hearing meeting with reporters saying how stunned he was to hear uh, Bill Barr so cavalierly throw around that term, spy. It's stunning to hear the top law enforcement officer in the country talk so cavalierly 
about spying on a political campaign. Yes, and so what was Bill Barr doing yesterday? He was using Donald Trump's talking points, and nobody would have been happier than Donald Trump. I'm sure this is exactly what the president wanted him to say. Yep, yep. And, as Adam Schiff points out, this is not... That's the press secretary's job, okay? That's Sarah Huckabee Sanders' job, not the job of the Attorney General of the United States. Again, Adam Schiff. The Attorney General has a higher responsibility than simply doing the bidding of the President of the United States. Yeah, right. And uh, so, does that, like, when he says they were spying, that they were political operatives, which means that this whole investigation uh, was um, nothing but a political operation. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, we've been hearing that for the last two years from Donald Trump, and we heard it again yesterday. He actually called the Mueller investigation by the FBI a coup. And this was a, an attempted coup. This was an attempted takedown of a president. I mean, God. Yeah. But of course, the investigation of Bill Clinton was not a coup. That was all legitimate, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Or the investigation of Hillary Clinton's emails and Benghazi. That was all legitimate. But looking at anything that Donald Trump or the people around him might have done is nothing but a coup. And the report, which again, I repeat, we have not seen yet. Remind you, we have not seen the report. But Donald Trump already saying, calling it a total, the Mueller report, Donald Trump yesterday, as he's uh, heading out to Marine One to go down to Texas for another phony photo op, uh, it's all a big scam. The Mueller report, when they talk about obstruction, what, we fight back. And you know why we fight back? Because I knew how illegal this whole thing was. It was a scam. Scam. Total scam. Total scam. Uh, he did speak also um, there um, on the uh, South Lawn. Uh, about what's happening at the to Department of Homeland Security. Uh, and a lot of people, in fact, I was on uh, NPR yesterday afternoon on uh, Here and Now again, and I uh, was asked about this. Why don't we just make Stephen Miller the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security? Uh, to which my response is, might as well, because he is. I mean, he's fired everybody. He's told Donald Trump to fire everybody who was there. Donald Trump did fire everybody who was there. Uh, but Donald Trump comes to Stephen Miller's defense yesterday saying he's my best bud. Stephen is an excellent guy. He's a wonderful person. People don't know him. He's a wonderful, been with me from the beginning. He's a, a brilliant man. And frankly, uh, there's only one person that's running it. You know who that is? It's me. <laughs> right. <laughs> me, 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 me. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Uh, well, he is the one who's in charge, but Stephen Miller, no doubt about it, is the one who's calling the shots uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to immigration, for sure. Um, but but one final thing that Donald Trump says again, <laughs> as anybody who and all of our guests who come in, people who follow the border, uh, all, all of them tell us the same thing, and every other every other reporter covers the border that Donald Trump has not built one inch of new wall. He keeps saying, finish the wall, finish the wall, we're building the wall. He, keeps saying, he said it again yesterday. Uh, here he is, and now <laughs> he sort of redefines what building new wall 
means. We built a lot of wall. No, a you lot haven't. of wall. Mm -mm. And it's no. a new wall. You know, when we rip down an old wall and then replace it, it's called a new wall. And that's what we've done. <laughs> right. So, okay. So they haven't built any new wall. Flat out fact. They have not built one mile, one half a mile of new wall. They have repaired some existing structure, whatever you want to call it, not a wall, fencing. And now Donald Trump is saying, well, that's the equivalent of new wall, right? We're redefining it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that is what the American people think of when they hear him say, We're build we are building the wall. But you know what? His idiot base don't care. No, they don't care. You're right. And they'll believe anything he says, right? So, I mean, yeah, in care. a sense... That's who he's speaking to, right? And all the rest of us who do care something about facts. Um, yeah, we have to put up with that. On the 2020 front, little news yesterday. Uh, we've been hearing drib dribble by dribble by dribble what different uh, candidates have been have raised in that first quarter. Haven't heard from all of them, but we did hear again from Elizabeth Warren, from one more Elizabeth Warren yesterday. Uh, reported her first quarter take is six million dollars. Uh, which is not all that great compared to um, she's more than Cory Booker. She's more than Amy Klobuchar, who were at five each. But she's less than Pete Buttigieg, for God's sakes. Less than, pardon me, less than Bill O'Rourke, less than Kamala Harris, and one-third of what Bernie Sanders raised. So it just shows, I think, uh, so he said Elizabeth Warren's got, um, she's great, love her, love her ideas. Just saying she's got a real challenge to build the kind of grassroots fundraising base that obviously Kamala and Beto O'Rourke and particularly Bernie Sanders already have. It, it, it's I, I'm sort of dumbfounded at what's going on with Elizabeth Warren, right? Because there was this clamor for her to run and there's been this clamor for her to run for years now. And I think you and I agree she should have run in 2016. Absolutely. She missed that opportunity. She's trying to take the opportunity now. And I hope that this doesn't turn out like a Chris Christie situation where he should have run, mm. he waited too long to run, and when he did, it he got, he, clobbered. He got yeah. completely clobbered. And I just hope it's not that. Uh, but, you know, fundraising is a big part of running for president. Yeah. Yeah. Some people would argue it's the most important part about running for president. And yeah, I, you got to figure that out. Right. I think ideas are more important. Yeah. But no, I a, do too. Certainly, a sign of whether you can get your ideas out there is particularly on the small donor front, whether you can get enough volunteers around the country to write you a small check, even a dollar, five dollars. Uh, Bernie Sanders, again, the king at eighteen million dollars in terms of grassroots fundraising. Uh, yesterday, um, he said, "Okay." There's a lot of talk about Medicare for all. Some people have different definitions of it. Bernie put his program out there yesterday, and it is 100% Medicare for all, single payer, unapolog unapologetically. Uh, and by the way, standing alongside of him while he released it, with Kirsten Gillibrand, good for her, and uh, Jeff Merkley from, from Oregon. Here's uh, the senator from Vermont. The American people want... And we are going to deliver a Medicare for all single payer system. And Bernie says, right, based on the very, this is something that uh, progressive have been saying for a long time, on one fundamental principle. Health care is a human right 
not a privilege. Yes. Heard Bernie say that many, many times, but by the way, so again, this is the pure deal, right? There are different variations on the theme, but Bernie is total single payer, no more private insurance companies. No, I mean, if you want to have, as he said the other day, if you want a facelift, right, then you can get it. The insurance companies may be able to do, they'll cover cosmetic surgery. But otherwise, and no more private insurance companies, no uh, no more uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies, drugs will be all part of Medicare as well. Um, and uh, and uh, the, there'll be pharmaceutical companies that produce the drugs, but the, the price of the drugs and everything will be determined under Medicare, and it covers everything, all basic health needs, it covers preventive care, it covers vision, and it covers dental care. It's 100% that model. If you want something a little less than that, you want something more gradual, others are offering that. Bernie's got the real deal when it comes to Medicare for all. Uh, and I thought that, again, that Kirsten Gillibrand, the fact that Kirsten Gillibrand was there, we'll see what other candidates for 2020 actually endorse uh, the, the Bernie Sanders model, which I still think is the best one, at least to get there eventually. Man, we're just getting started. And Donald Trump, by the way, um, one other aspect of uh, his uh, presidency that's uh, getting a lot of attention, particularly from the uh, Southern District of New York, are his financial conflicts and potential corruption. Follow the money. Uh, we'll do that coming up next here uh, with Molly Claflin from American Oversight. Uh, and uh, so g- give us a quick break. We'll be right back on this Thursday edition the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. On a Thursday, April 11. Hello, hello. Welcome to the program. So good to have you on board as we... Um, Hopscotch through the big uh, headlines and the big stories of the day here. It is the Bill Press Show. We are live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, joining you coast to coast on the radio and television and online and brought to you today by the good men and women of the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. They all went together, formed one big union about 10 years ago called the Smart Union, Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation giving a fair day's work for a fair day's pay under the leadership of President Joseph Sellers. Check out their website at smart-union.org. And we welcome to the program to talk about uh, Donald Trump, who's turned the uh, first his presidential campaign and then his presidency into a money-making operation. Uh, any little uh, potential conflicts there? <laughs> you bet. Molly Claflin is the Chief Oversight Counsel for American Oversight. Hi, Molly. It's nice. Hi, Bon. Nice, nice to see to, you. Nice to see you. Thanks so much for coming in. Um, we've been at it for a little while before you uh, showed up, uh, and we wanted to check in with our uh, vast audience of viewers and listeners out there. Peter? Yes, indeed. Lots of people commenting. Uh, lots of buzz around Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All statement yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Davis says, go, Bernie, go. Uh, says he is in Minneapolis uh, and uh, is is all on board. Uh, somebody else points out, Bernie is very smart to do a town hall on Fox. It might even help him if the DNC tries to screw him over again. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. Uh, somebody else says yes, yes, yes to Medicare for all, uh, of course. Uh, and lots of comments about Julian Assange. Uh, people point out that he had supposed to go to Sweden first. He has some oh, charges Sweden. That's there. Where it is. Okay. That's and right. okay. somebody even wondered out loud if he could be extradited here to the United States. Just well, I'm sure we have there. that. 
treaty with U- the UK. I would you know, be surprised right, if we do. I would. I'm not sure, but I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. I would guess we would. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, I have confidence that the DNC is not going to try to screw over Bernie. Uh, s- or any, anybody else this year. Sure, I, I, I do too, actually. But, uh, uh, on the Assange thing, by the way, Julian Assange uh, has been further arrested in relation oh. to an extradition warrant on behalf of the United States authorities. <laughs> so they are now confirming that there has been an extradition request uh, for Julian Assange from the United States, which could be interesting. Did you see the video of his being carried yeah, down the I steps? <laughs> I gotta say, it's I mean, great. literally, they had to carry it's him. It's pretty down. great. <laughs> Oh, wow. uh, you know, um, then where to get this in? I'm just going to do it right now. But every week in the Nation magazine, Calvin Trillin, who's a great writer, food, oh, yeah. food writer, and yeah. has done so many great books, he has just a little poem which I think captures um, the absolute essence of some item in the news. And this one is about his little poem that uh, this week is about Donald Trump cutting off aid to. El Salvador and Guatemala and Honduras, which a lot of people pointed out is the last thing these countries need. They're trying to get back on their feet. Right. And with the help of some USAID. Okay, so uh, to Calvin Trillin, um, love you and just want to steal your work here. Here's Calvin Trillin's take on it. The surge of migrants comes from countries where conditions are, to say the least, adverse. So here's the plan for how we stop this surge cut off our aid, and make conditions worse. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. Sums it all up, right? Lovely. Good for him. Yes, indeed. So, Molly, are we ever going to see, if we, talk about, if we talk about financial conflicts with Donald Trump and there are all these questions about surrounding all of his properties and all of his business deals and his outstanding loans we don't know, isn't the way to cut through all of it just to take a look at his tax returns? And are we ever going to see them? It would certainly help. I don't know that that'll get us to everything, but it would certainly give us a much better idea of everything that he may be into. Um, And whether or not we're going to see them is a a really huge question. I mean, the problem right now is we have a president with unprecedented conflicts of interest, but also unprecedented levels of lack of transparency. And so we have someone who refused to divest from his companies, who has properties all over the world. Each one of those presents huge um, amounts of... Uh, opportunity for other people to try to influence policy, for him to try to take, you know, bribes, frankly, are a real problem. There's so many different issues that could be happening with this level of business. And, you know, we need to see what those are. Right. Um, is, is, is this where the tax returns are in this <laughs> black hole? <laughs> Possibly. I mean, I've got no better answer for you. And this is this is why those tax returns are really, really important. And I know and all the polling I've seen, Americans want to see the tax returns, and they should. And this is this is not putting some special inquiry into Donald Trump. It's not looking closer at him and trying to get you know documents that aren't normally disclosed. This is really just bringing back to normal. This is trying to get the sorts of information that all presidential candidates have historically in the modern era produced. I think Barack Obama produced 16 years when he was running, just so the American people can see who that person is working for and what conflicts they might have. And by the way, Elizabeth Warren released her tax returns yesterday. Several Democratic candidates have already done so. Bernie Sanders promises he's going to release 10 years on Monday, uh, April 15th. Right. So this is not an extraordinary ask. This is just asking for what's pretty normal. Right. Well, but he's under audit. (laughs) So he says. So he says. And, you know, I think the, the IRS commissioner yesterday 
assured the American people that, in fact, you do you can release your tax returns when you're under audit. There's no there's no problem against that. And on top of that, presidents are usually under audit because the IRS is supposed to look at their taxes closely and make sure everything makes sense. And so it's just a nonsensical answer on that front. I think Mick Mulvaney finally came out and said, you're just not going to get them, which was the first time they've really been honest. Right. To say that this is not about the audit. This is we just don't want to give them to you. Right. We could, but we're not going to. Right. Uh, So that raises a question. Well, first, the fact that Donald Trump said he's been under audit for years. Right. Right. They keep that that in and of itself indicates there may be some problems. Well, it's certainly interesting. I was right. They wouldn't be auditing nothing. Right. When he was first running and didn't current of his tax returns, I found that was problematic, but I didn't think much of it, to be honest. And now, four years later, you're thinking, my goodness, what is in these? Right? It really raises a lot of questions because that, that's a that for four years to fight that so hard, it suggests to me that there's something more interesting in those tax returns than I would have normally guessed. That, yeah, that does raise the question, what is in there that Donald right. Trump does not want us to see? Right. What could it be? There's a lot of different options with there. Um, you know, we've got someone who has properties all over the world, so there could be emoluments issues with foreign governments paying off things that they're not supposed to pay for. Um, there could be pay-for-play issues where, you know, companies uh, could say, you know, hey, I'm, we're, we're going to push business your way, and by the way, we'd really like to be exempted from these new tariffs. You've got self-dealing issues where Donald Trump himself is impacted by a lot of the policies that he is now signing into law, environmental laws or tax laws. And so if he, you know, if he was able to save millions of dollars on the new tax law that he just passed, I think Americans would like to know that and they should know that. Right. Um, On top of that, you've got past tax issues. The New York Times did a wonderful report in October 2018 about the Trump family taxes and the fact that Donald Trump probably saved around $500 million, half a billion dollars on what is actually fraudulent tax tax work. Um, and those are just a few of the of the ways that this is a problem. And on top of that, Michael Cohen testified uh, in February before the House and said he thought that there were probably things in the tax returns that would point to criminal liability. So there's so many different ways that these tax returns could become a problem for President Trump, but that's exactly why the American people need to see them. There are so many problems inside those that we, we need to know what we're dealing with. So you mentioned um, the the president with all of his properties. First of all, he said something yesterday which I thought was a stretched credibility just a little bit. Um, in terms, he was asked um, when he was on his way out to Marine One, just in a little cluster there on the uh, South Lawn, um, about reports that... Um, you know, his his vast business empire uh, and and his involvement in that. Here's the president. I built a great company, one of the best companies. I have some of the greatest assets in the world. I did a good job. And now, frankly, I don't care about them. I only care about the United States. I heard that. I thought, mm, he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care about all of his properties. Why does he keep going to them? Yeah, and why does he keep them? Yes, and why does he keep that? And on yeah. an even broader note, you know, right. in the in the past, I mean, Jim, as we know, Jimmy Carter gave up his peanut farm, which didn't have a whole lot of issues for conflicts, but he did it anyway because that's what you do because you sacrifice in order to take this job. I remember and that that's big news missing. conference when he was a president elect, where they had that big stack of papers. Remember the whole right. thing, and he says, "But I'm not going to divest." Right. right? 
Uh, and he had that attorney there who said he didn't have to. Instead, I'm just turning it all over to my boys here. Right. They're going to run it, and I'll, I will never even know what's going on at any right. of these properties. It's going to be totally separate. Well, right. Well, and even if he's not doing the day to day, the the company has his the, the company is his name, and everyone in the world knows that. So everyone in the world knows that he is going to whatever companies push his way now, they know he'll see that eventually, even if he doesn't see it today. Uh, plus, he seldom goes out of the White House, but if he does, right, <laughs> he goes to, uh, of course, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. If he goes to Europe, he goes to Scotland to his right. golf course. If he goes to Florida, he goes to Mar-a-Lago, right. and he plays golf at his golf course. He went to California last week. He's got the golf course in Rancho Palos Verdes, I believe it is. And 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 so he has a big meeting in California fundraiser where does it happen at on his property you know i look i live there i i know california from california not originally but 30 years there i know that area very very well i've been there with president clinton with president obama with president bush you don't go to rancho palace verdes is not really on the beaten path right not, it's not out normally. of the way no but he went there because it's his property so these are all and every time he goes to Mar-a-Lago, these are all money-making deals for him, aren't they? Absolutely, and they're and they're twofold. They are money-making deals for him, and they're you know right now he's basically using his properties or he's using the presidency to advertise his properties. They are advertising for him, um, and on the other hand, they give people the opportunity to try to garner favor with him, as we saw in the recent uh, reporting out of Florida with the you know foreign people who are coming in and going to Mar-a-Lago and, you know, paying a lot of money to be there to try to rub shoulders with him and his family. And it's just an opportunity. It it is asking for conflicts. That's the real problem here is even if, even if the companies were completely above board and, you know, he was doing everything right and he, you know, checked all the, all the boxes and did his taxes properly and all that sort of thing, we still have an opportunity for everyone else in the world to co- come on, show up, and actually try to get at him through those properties. And that's a real problem. Right. I mean, I thought it was pretty um, obvious what was up when in Mar-a-Lago, after he was elected, they doubled the membership right. fee from one hundred right. to $200,000, again, to have that chance of, and I know people who do this, go there for lunch, Go there for dinner. One friend of mine does all the time, and almost maybe every other time, he gets FaceTime with Donald Trump. Absolutely. Just because he's having lunch there, right? Absolutely. And I know the same thing goes to the Trump Hotel here in D.C. Um, I know people who have wandered in, and you can always find one of the Trump children sitting in the restaurant. If you want to get to Donald Trump's ear, all you have to do is go sit in the restaurant long enough, and that's an option. So. It incentivizes people to to pay to play in this government, and that's a real problem. It's something Americans should be concerned about. Well, Americans, and so for American citizens to do this, one thing, but but there are foreign governments we know who are scheduling many many events in the Trump Hotel here in Washington. Absolutely, and there is something called the Emoluments Clause. <laughs> does this still exist? It does, in theory. I mean, it's in our Constitution and something that we've always taken very seriously before. Um, when when President Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize, he had to ask the Department of Justice, can I accept this international prize? Because it is considered a thing of value and it comes from a foreign government. It's it's uh, the Nobel Committee is in Sweden. So can I accept that? And we had a real conversation about it then. And so the fact that this is... You know, something that we we have thought of for a, a long time and really focused on, and now we've kind of decided that this just doesn't matter anymore, and we don't care about conflicts. That's that's what our government is showing the rest of the world right now in a way that's really troubling. 
So we've been obsessed, uh, we should mention again, Molly Claflin is with us from the Amer- American Oversight. Website is AmericanOversight.org, right, where you can follow right. your work. We've been obsessed with the Mueller report for the last two years, and there were a lot of people who said, well, this is, this is important stuff, this whole po- potential um, collusion with Russia or obstruction of justice, but that the real heart of the matter are the financial conflicts, the money, follow the money. Um, has anybody been looking into these potential conflicts? We hear about maybe you know money he may loan to Russia, Russian banks, to Deutsche Bank, or whatever, whatever. Right. Well, congressional investigators are trying. I will say in the Senate they don't have a lot of uh, power at the moment, but they've been trying. The Democrats on the minority side have been. On the uh, House side, there is a lot of interest both in the Financial Services Committee and in the Intelligence Committee, but we don't really know how much they've done in that space. How about in in law enforcement area? Right, and I was going to say up in New York, and that's kind of where the the ball seems to be right now. As as far as we understand, the investigators at the New York Attorney General's office are, are really looking into these issues because, of course, most of his business is based in New York. And so they have got a good string on it there, but that's that's really where the that's where the, the money is in this game. It really is. It's a follow the money situation, and the, the Russia situation is problematic, and raises a lot of questions. But the real, I, I think there's some real bread and butter corruption here, and that that you get to see by looking at the businesses. And that's one of the areas where Michael Cohen has a, reportedly right. have been been helpful because we've seen. Right, and it's everything from the Stormy Daniels payments Mm -hmm. and, you know, other, I don't recall the name of the other mistress he paid off, but there's like Right, you've got payments to the women, you've got, but that's just one little piece that we happen to know about, right? So if if we know of two of those already, then there's going to be a lot more in those financial documents that I think the American people should know about. And I think this transparency is so very, very important because... The president keeps saying, I won the election, therefore it's litigated and no one cares. But th- these are really big issues. And if, 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 it really, if he really felt that no, it did not matter to the American people, then he needs to give them the information and they can choose. And if the American people once, after they look at those tax returns and those financial documents, decide that this is the person that they want in charge, then that's a different question. Right. Um, we saw this article th- uh, that you and Austin Evers, your uh, colleague at uh, American Oversight, put out this week about... Um, some of the other ways in which the president is showing his um, disregard or disrespect for uh, constitutional checks. Um, one of them is in these security clearances at the White House, which right. got a lot of attention a week or so ago. And right. These, these pop up and then we seem to forget about them. But um, I, f- I forget how many people, right, had 20-some top White House aides right. were turned down by the people who do the vetting saying they, they, they have too many conflicts in their passed to merit at top security clearance. And in each of those cases, the president overruled them. Right. And that's a really big deal because we these clearances are uh, done by very longstanding professional government employees who understand the risks of giving someone a security clearance when that person can't handle the clearance. And in these cases, they said, no, there's too many conflicts. There's too many opportunities for this person to be bribed or this person to to have something untoward happen. So we're not going to give them over. And instead, the president intervened. And that's a real problem. And this is just one more symptom of this continuous process of the Trump White House saying that the rules don't apply to them. Um, and that's a, that, that's a problem. And this is yet another reason as to why we need to 
you know, respect our checks and balances and let the Congress do its work on tax returns and other things. The special counsel is another example of that. So in the in the security clearances, you had people in the government structure say no clearances and Trump overruled them in um, the tax return issues that the IRS reports to Trump. And so he says no. And the IRS says, OK, no, we're not going to look at those. In the uh, Russia investigation, you've got we have a special counsel because it's outside the Department of Justice, because what happens if you put it inside the Department of Justice is what we saw with Bill Barr saying, yeah, no, we think it's fine. And so in each of these instances, when you have the people reporting to the president looking at the president, you're not going to get very far. And that's why it's really, really important to have outside investigators, whether it's Congress or the American people looking at them themselves. Uh, and the other issue you mentioned in here, uh, um, well, among many others, but one other that you mentioned, is this question about um, adding a que- adding a citizenship question to the census, which sounds like innocuous, but it really is not right. It's really not. It it's, sounds it's innocuous. It seems like something that's pretty standard, and, and yeah. people don't realize the real issue there. And the the issue really is, we are trying to undercount by doing that right now. All people in the United States are counted, um, whether they are citizens or children who can't vote either or whoever they are. They are counted in the census to understand who lives here. And by adding that question, you are going to not have you're, you're going to have people who are not citizens choose not to answer the census. And we are therefore going to have an undercount of people. And we're not going to we're, we're going to have areas where we have a lot of immigrants that are not shown as being as populated as they are, which has a huge impact on the representation. And so those areas will not get the congressional representation that they deserve. And you know that that if, if anyone tells the Census Bureau that they are not a citizen who goes along with it, that information is going to go directly to ICE. In this White House, I would guess it would. I mean, huh. traditionally, Stephen that, yeah, Miller will absolutely. make sure that it happens. And do you think Steve Mnuchin is going to, or uh, Wilbur Ross, right? Right, we'll exactly. And so it seems it's another way him? to try to stifle um, the counting of immigrants and to try to intimidate people to, to not answer those questions. And that's really important. And of course, the reason for having an accurate count, just not knowing how many people are here, is that almost every allocation of federal dollars. Right to states and cities and counties um, for important programs, being healthcare or transportation funding or schools or whatever, is based on the number of people who are there, whether they're citizens or not, there are needs at these. Exactly. And it it also determines our representation. So Uh, yes, that's really important to make sure that, you know, we are not stacking counties that have a lot of immigrants with fewer congressmen than they deserve. Right. Um, so at least we're going to see some check and balance this time this the, the, for the next two years with Democrats in control of Congress. I guess that's the one thing we can be grateful for, right? We can be grateful to a level. Um, it's it's exciting to finally have a little bit of oversight over there and some members with, with the gavel is really important. And I think they're doing very good work and starting to really look into a lot of these issues. And I don't think they're coming at it from a perspective of, you know, we're just going after the president. It's not a witch hunt. Um, I think they are really looking at this from an, an area of we need to have this sort of robust oversight. We need to lay it all out on the table so that the American people can really see who we're dealing with here. The problem with that, of course, is that if the Trump administration chooses not to comply, and that's what we're seeing already, you know, they're, they're not turning over documents from the White House to the oversight committees. They're not turning over the tax returns, even if they mm-hmm. were required to do so. 
And so Yesterday I think Yesterday was the day they were supposed to, and they right, did not. Right, and they just right. said no, but the law's not ambiguous. The law says the Treasury shall give the documents to the committee. Mm-hmm. It's There's not a question there. No. Um, shall furnish, not may furnish. No, shall. shall. Furnish word, right. And so it's really troubling that even in areas where mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the Congress has this ability, the White House is signing them at every turn. It's American Oversight, AmericanOversight.org. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for coming in. All right. Thank you. One more hour coming up. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of The Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash the bill press show and remember if you haven't already done so make sure to subscribe to this podcast on itunes and while you're there please rate and review the show that means a lot to us and thanks so much for your support Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We found the Donald Trump tax returns. <laughs> They're in the black hole. And we got a picture of that black hole. That's where he's been hiding them. But now that we found the black hole, we'll get them. We'll get them. We'll see them sooner or later. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is Thursday, April 11, 2019. So good to see you today, uh, and welcome to the Bill Press Show. That's me, and that's you, all part of the program here. As we take a look at the big headlines of the day, the news of the day on every front, from our perch here in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill, uh, where we'll keep bringing you up to date on uh, the news from the Congress yesterday, down at the White House. Not much going on there because the president... Uh, was off uh, out of town. They got back uh, about 11.06 last night. Um, but that, the news from here in our nation's capital, around the country, and around the globe, we bring it to you, and you tell us what you think about it all uh, on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. And the big news here in Washington was uh, the Attorney General back up on Capitol Hill for the second day in a row, and... Um, basically accusing the FBI of spying (laughs) on the Donald Trump campaign, which is something Donald Trump has been trying to sell for a long time. I don't know. Ed Chung is here from the Center for American Progress, Vice President of Criminal Justice Reform, to talk about that and other matters. Ed, it's good to see you. Thanks for having me, Bill. Amazing that he used that word, spy, right? (laughs) Spying. Yeah. I mean, and we'll, just hold your thought here. We'll get, <laughs> I have so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. I can see you winding up there, right? Uh, and we'll get to that. Thank you. But first, this is the full court press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Homo luzonensis. That is the name of a new species of human bones. Cousins. That were the Yeah, that's our cousin. Uh, that were discovered on the island of Luzon, which is why they got the mm-hmm. name Luzonensis, in the Philippines. This is a whole new discovery of human species, uh, which is a, 
I don't have to tell you this. It's a big deal. Yeah. This is yeah. a big deal. This, this is a black hole in one day. I yeah, mean. yeah. I mean, seriously, <laughs> what a day, right, uh, for humanity in general. Uh, now, in recent years, right, you remember back in 2004, they found uh, more bones. Uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this, uh, but there was another species of human that they found, which they just sort of nicknamed the Hobbit because they were so small. Uh, and those were found in Indonesia. <laughs> Uh, so they have been looking at these bones that they found in the Philippines, and they say that the body part, the body parts, are diminutive. They suggest that the humans uh, grew no more than four feet tall. Uh, they said that the teeth have modern shapes, mm-hmm. uh, and that it's very clear that these are human bones. The bones in the hand and feet are curved. Uh, so. There's a lot more that's going to come out of this, but, like, really interesting stuff. I, yeah, and how they all fit together and yeah. whether they do fit together, who knows, right? Yeah, I mean, it just They sort say of they're shows. not really descendants, but they're related. I don't know. It just, yeah. it, one of the uh, quotes I read about it was basically, like, this just shows that, you know, we have just really begun to scratch the surface on the science of evolution. Yeah, uh, yeah. And how we have evolved. Uh, Bill, I know you love your Alexa. I, yes. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, she's been behaving lately, too. Well, here's here's one of the reasons why. So it turns out that, you know, you have your Alexa. You don't think you're actually talking to somebody, right? You're just talking to Alexa. It's a computer program. Oh, no, no, no. I think of her as a person. Okay, well, you should because <laughs> no, yeah. Amazon employs a story by Bloomberg yesterday. shows that Amazon employs thousands of people around the world to actually listen to what you say to your Alexa. And they're trying to figure out sort of what people are asking. They're trying to figure out how to make it more effective. But real, actual humans are listening to the commands that you are giving to Alexa. In fact, one worker said that they heard a woman singing in the shower oh. to her Alexa. Uh, I always just say, uh, often I'll just say, hi, Alexa, hi, how you doing? And she answers. This is the Bill Press Show. He said it. The Attorney General of the United States yesterday, he said it, that the FBI was spying on the Trump campaign. He didn't say they were just doing their job. No, they were spying on the Trump campaign. Ah, Bill Barr. Turns out to be uh, just the political puppet of Donald Trump, it looks like. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Hello, hello, hello. On a Thursday, April 11, it is the Bill Press Show. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C. So good to see you. It's a beautiful spring in Washington, D.C. And hope it's uh, good weather wherever you are. Although, from what I saw, there's this massive snowstorm heading for the plains in the Midwest. Unbelievable. Could be the biggest record, record snow ever for the month of April in this country. So hope you're not messed up in that. We're enjoying great weather here in Washington, D.C., and there's a lot of news to talk about, which is why we're joining you uh, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, on Free Speech TV, and on the radio on WCPT out in Chicago. Ed, Ed Chung is with us here from the Center for American Progress, Vice President of Criminal Justice Reform. Hi, Ed. It's good to see you. Hey, Bill. Good. And um, we want to... Um, we want to... To get into the news of the day, but uh, first we have a little family business we have to uh, have to talk about here. 
Uh, this is uh, both a good day. Every day is a good day at the Bill Press Show. But it's also a sad day because today is the last day we're going to be working with our good friend Ray Rogers. Sad. A last day that the whole trio of us, Peter and, and Cyprian, the whole quartet, will all be together. Why? Because Ray's going to work for that giant Amazon moving <laughs> into northern Virginia. I will hate um, Bezos forever, Bezos forever for stealing uh, our Ray Rogers. But uh, Ray is a great, great friend, a great um, attribute, and uh, has made such a great contribution to the Bill Press Show. We will miss her forever. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, you know, absolutely. And and it's great because you mentioned she's going to Amazon. You'll still be able to talk to Ray. <laughs> Just talk to your Alexa. <laughs> She'll be listening. <laughs> It'll be the new. She's the new voice. That's the secret. We weren't yeah. going to tell you. Yeah, She'll yeah, be yeah. the new voice of Alexa. That's right. right, right. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm sad to see Ray go. Peter was glad to see Ray go because he was afraid that she was going to take his job. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. She, the way she was Clearly. heading, right? Knock him out. Of it's the coming all out right now, Bill. Uh, it's right. It's coming <laughs> yeah. all out. And yeah. Thank you, Ray. We'll miss you. Love you. Uh, so, Ed, what the hell's going on? Well, first of all, the picture of Julian Assange being carried down the <laughs> steps of the Ecuadorian embassy in London. I, I must may, I must admit, it makes my heart pitter-patter <laughs> with, with joy. He's not become, he's not my favorite person. But at any rate, uh, he's had seven years there, right? I guess they finally just said enough's enough. Been there for seven years. I, what's curious about this story for me is just the timing uh, of what happened, and it just we we don't know very much, but what uh, what it seems like we know is um, he there was an accusation that um, he, the Ecuadorian embassy was um, you know looking into his activities about what they were doing to him or what he was doing to them, and so yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, th- this is all just breaking news coming out, and so um, it it just be curious to see what happens over the next few days. But he does, uh, I think he's uh, there been charges filed against him in the United States. And Sweden, of course, right. uh, different charge, sexual assault in Sweden, I think interfering with who knows what, what charges here, I think, related to some abuse of intelligence. or uh, and, But so he may, he could be extradited here or to Sweden, who knows what's going to happen. But at any rate, yeah. the asylum is over. He, um, the Ecuadorian um, embassy revealed to him today that they were revoking his asylum at which case British authorities immediately swooped him, put him under arrest. He refused to leave voluntarily, and they physically carried him out of the embassy. Um, so let's go to the bombshell that Bill Barr dropped yesterday in the Congress, where Gene Shaheen, a senator from New Hampshire, uh, was just talking to the attorney general about um, basic reports that we've heard from the Trump camp, Trump camp and the Trump White House and Donald Trump himself that this whole Mueller investigation was all part of a, a, a political operation run by the FBI who didn't want to see Donald Trump as president. Um, I think Bill Barr would say, well, you know, I don't know, find some way to answer that other than buying into it. Here he is. I, I think there's a spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur. <laughs> well, let me. But the uh... question is whether it was predicated adequately predicated and i'm not suggesting it wasn't adequately predicated but i'd need to explore that it, spying did occur <laughs> just, i mean he uses the word spying right it, there's so much in that one little statement that's revealing about bill barr 
one, the fact that he is now considered or can be considered a neutral arbitrator in anything that dispassionately looking at the facts of this case, wh whatever this case is, this investigation, this this overview, whatever mm -hmm. you may call it, that he's going to do it uh, through the through the blindfold. The justice is blind, right? Uh, that is that one statement reveals so much. One, he uses the same words that the Trump administration that Trump does spy right. right so this is a spying is not the same thing it's a more, far more devious accusation than the FBI conducting an investigation I mean spying indicates enemy yes it, surveillance or wrong right. wrongdoing right and like wrong. these are these are like combat and yeah. the FBI are, is within the Department of Justice is an agency within the Department of Justice so that's one Two, the fact that he said, I believe spying did occur. So this is the guy who is ultimately responsible for determining whether or not cases should move forward and be prosecuted. Right. And he already has made a determination based on what little evidence he has not revealed what evidence it is. He well, has. based on no evidence. No evidence, right? We don't know what he's basing this off of besides mm. the things that, you know, the Trump or anybody else has accused the FBI of doing. But he's also made that conclusion. And then you see he, he recognizes that he made an, a, 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 a faulty statement. And he goes whether or not um, there was enough predicate for the investigation. The question is, he, he doesn't retract what he says before. And he then says... Well, I have no reason to believe that there wasn't enough predicate. So why the hell are you making the first statement to begin with? And then why are you, if you have no reason to believe that there was no predicate, why are you even going to investigate this in the first place? And then on top of that, there's already an inspector general uh, investigation going on. So if that is happening, that's something is happening internally to look at what the FBI is doing. And that's the place where it should happen, right? If there's any wrongdoing professional misconduct or something like that happening within the Department of Justice, the inspector general is the right place to do it. So for the attorney general then to elevate this in Congress, in an open, uh, in an open hearing, to put it out there that he himself is going to be in charge of looking at something like this is just unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, here's the point is I sort of thought had a little respect for Bill Barr. Never met him, but he was attorney general for George H. W. Bush. Yeah. wasn't crazy. He was an establishment. He's been he's been part ever since then of the, if you call it the establishment Republican Party in Washington D.C. And these are professionals. They're professional Democrats too. In in season, out of season, their their people get control of the White House. They get a good government job. Then they go back to the private sector, and they're mm -hmm. they're basically you know reasonable people. You thought Bill Barr came out of that school. He's turned out to be an out-and-out Trumper. First of all, he wrote that memo, 19-page memo, about a year ago, saying the whole Mueller investigation should never have taken place and there was no obstruction of justice. Then he gets appointed attorney general. Still thought, okay, he's going to be fair. And then the Mueller report comes out, right? And he doesn't release a full report, just his own four-page summary. He makes the decision he's not going to charge the president with obstruction of justice. Then he goes up on the hill here. I mean, he is just any pretense, mm -hmm. as you indicated, that he is an independent, 
fact-driven attorney general is gone. Absolutely. And I think you make a really good point here about, you know, folks that have had, you know, an appointment now to the Trump administration. You accepting that appointment automatically makes you that that's the defining thing about you now right yeah yes. and it changes it, it, it not ch- it doesn't change who you are right like that but the fact that you are willing to be part and associated with this administration knowing full well what this president effect, expects his cabinet officials to do what he expects anybody not even cabinet officials but kind of one or two layers down below that to do to protect him, to push out the same narratives that he has, um, the the fact that he will turn on you on a dime if you even go sideways um, and 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 exert any kind of reason to this, he is now not that necessarily respected person that you were talking about, but a Trump administration official, and that has something to do with it. You know, when he was uh, being nominated, we you know we opposed him for a number of reasons. One, it was because of the 19-page memo that, that had mm-hmm. a lot to do with it and whether he could be independent that way. Um, but secondly, also because of, uh, for my area of criminal justice, whether or not he was going to be you know supportive of the things that were happening in, in Congress, the Congress was moving. The that criminal the justice supported. reform. Exactly. But there was this kind of sense, right? Uh, it, it, this was back in January, that, okay, he, he does have what you're talking about, that kind of elder yeah. statesman role. It was the right. same thing that, uh, you know, chief, former chiefs of staff, could they be elder statesmen? Nobody can be an elder statesman to this president. No, not at all. And in fact, uh, so I thought um, Adam Schiff made a, a couple of excellent points yesterday, chair of the House Intelligence Committee. After the hearing, he mentioned that Don, what, 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 what we heard from Bill Barr is what we have heard from Donald Trump. It's stunning. it's stunning to hear the top law enforcement officer in the country talk so cavalierly about spying on a political campaign. Yeah, I mean, cavalierly to talk about spying. I mean, that, that word loaded, so loaded. But here's, here's Adam Smith again relating Barr with Trump. I'm sure this is exactly what the president wanted him to say. Adam Schiff, not Adam Smith. Uh, and uh, he makes the point that, the, again, um, uh, Congressman Schiff, that, that the attorney general's job and his role is not the same as Donald Trump's personal attorney. The attorney general has a higher responsibility than simply doing the bidding of the president of the United States. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is there- Every attorney general. Every attorney general, the Department of Justice has a unique space. It is not. Uh, there are other types of departments that the political uh, that that somebody is elected into office and the the agenda that the president has can be effectuated in a way. Like let's say the Department of Education, we, we're seeing that now, right? There, there's a certain policies that are going to be driven by this uh, Department of Education that really can consume the entire. Um, department. Uh, But the Department of Justice is unique because its mission is unique. Its mission to prosecute, its mission to investigate is not intended or should be, and there are rules governing the fact that it can't be uh, influenced by politics and it has to have independence or else the entire institution of the Department of Justice fails. And when the top political leaders who are put into place there do not fully grasp that or do not fully buy into that, then the institution fails. And so this is where I think your point is absolutely correct that 
because he had experience before in the George H.W. Bush administration and presumably knew about the responsibility of being independent for the president, you would assume that he he felt the pressure he felt the pressures before, right? I'm not saying that George H. W. Bush did anything remotely as mm-hmm. as bad as this president does, but at least he felt the weight of the office before, and you felt like he okay maybe he could be prepared to push back and to be a calming voice. That I, all is out the window. And I keep coming back to this word, spying. Yeah. I mean, um, we and, and and he indicated. As Donald Trump has suggested and Lindsey Graham has suggested, that now we need an investigation into the investigation. How did it get started? We know about how, We know how it got started, right? I mean, that's one thing Mueller documented and others have. We know about Carter Page. Carter Page was on the FBI watch list starting in 2013 because they thought he might the Russians might have been recruiting him to be an agent. They were, he was meeting with so many Russians, right? Yeah. 2013. Then 2016, flash forward. So they had him on their radar already. 2016, he's working. He's a foreign policy advisor to Donald Trump, and he's, again, running around the world and here having meeting with Russians. So they start looking at him again. They go to the FISA court, and they get a warrant. Yeah. Eleven judges on the FISA court unanimously say, yeah, you got the— you got enough evidence. You ought to be looking at this guy. Yeah. I mean, this was not some spying operation. Right? And when he was, you know, asked a little bit further about what he meant, he was talking about. Well, he he made sure he was like, I'm not talking about the FBI as an institution. I'm just talking about whether or not the top officials, meaning Comey and, and Comey's deputies, whether they did something that was, you know, improper. That has been looked at, and that's that yeah, that is yeah. being looked at as well. And also, you know, not only Carter Page, but you know, we've talked about this this ongoing battle between Trump and the late former Senator John McCain. John McCain felt compelled to send the dossier over to the FBI. Don't know what to do with it. Send it over to the FBI. Yeah. And as you're talking about the FISA court, by the way, my, yeah. John McCain, right? Again, he didn't go public. Nope. He didn't accuse him of anything. He privately sent it over to the FBI and said, somebody gave this to me. You ought to take a look at it. Yeah. And the, the steps- His that, duty. The steps that they took, exactly the things that you were outlining, if that kind of information is brought to the FBI's attention and the FBI does not investigate, I mean, just flip the politics around and what if this was you know, a Republican against a or, you know, whatever it may be, I mean- you have a duty to investigate once you have credible evidence that is coming before an investigator, the FBI or the Department of Justice to look into it. And so, you know, going into the, I mean, this also then shifts the conversation about defending this part. The part that I think you're you're emphasizing that, that truly makes sense is this shouldn't be something that the attorney general looks into in the first place at this point, especially because the facts are out there and especially because it is an attempt to turn the conversation away from what is actually in the Mueller investigation report right. and what is ha- what information yes. he will not turn over and have redacted out uh, of the report. Which I want to get to in just a moment. But a final point on this, one additional point on this, kind of a promise it'll be the final one because I'll think of two or three more, <laughs> is what really galls me is that they have almost successfully rebranded James Comey as a friend of the Democrats. Mm. When I would hold James Comey almost singularly responsible for sinking Hillary Clinton's campaign, he was not out to help Hillary Clinton. 
Look, I think there are the the criticisms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You no, know, they say, oh, he was working for the Democrats all along. Not Comey. Yeah, I think the you know the the steps that he took in 2016 um, were over the line. Uh, were, total were over the line, and I don't think you're this, the, the issue. The news conference where he first said we've wrapped up our investigation. She did nothing illegal, but boy, it was crappy and lousy, and she ought to be ashamed of herself and all that stuff. I mean, that was totally over the line. And then when he. Re- resurrected the the, uh, the the whole investigation October 28 right based on um, the emails that that they they found in Anthony Weiner's laptop right, right? Uh, and with no evidence that nothing new came out of it but enough to yeah well here's a crazy thing about that which is sabotage her campaign the 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 actual reasoning that was given um, by Trump and by Sessions and Barr for letting Comey go was the fact that you know Comey went over the exactly what you're talking about. That, yeah. the, the, that's right. The, that's right. The actual that was the reason that they gave. Right. They said that he abused Department of Justice procedures exactly in going to right now. Let's let's see no. compare that to what also Barr did in terms of the the criticism was you're you're going out there and talking about innocent. You know, conduct that is that has not been proven and so forth. You can't you can't put it out there, and con- that's why he's also giving that same reason for not putting out statements about in the Mueller report. But what he's doing with the spying allegation, he put out a statement without any corroboration and making a you know basically smearing Comey or whoever he was smearing at the top echelons of the FBI with no evidence mm-hmm. prior to making any ju- judgment. So it is essentially the same thing of the fact that the Justice Department is putting out there things that are unproven that you don't need to put out there unless it is for a political purpose. Right. Uh, so on the Ed Chung with us again from Center for American Progress, AmericanProgress.org, on the Mueller report, um, <laughs> which I keep... Every time I mention it, I have to remind people, we have not seen the Mueller report. Everybody's talking about what the Mueller report shows. We haven't seen it. We don't know what really what's in it. All we know is the four-page summary. But from what we know, mm-hmm. what did we learn from the Mueller report? Well, what we learned from the Mueller report, and a, a little bit more that uh, A.G. Barr revealed, was that um, Mueller didn't come to a conclusion on obstruction. But what what Barr said in his testimony was uh, he was asked whether or not Mueller reviewed his letter. He was asked whether or not, you know, um, Mueller knew that he what he was going to do. And he said no. But the process, you know, if he doesn't make a decision, it's the process in the Justice Department is to make a prosecutorial decision and that he made a prosecutorial decision, meaning he Barr made a prosecutorial decision. The, but the fact of the matter is that this is not just about uh, the special counsel investigation was not just about making a prosecutorial decision because we already knew what the Department of Justice's position was about whether or not you can prosecute a sitting president. You can't. You can't. That that's, was the, that's their policy. That's the internal Office of Legal Counsel policy that's out there. That's a guiding. That's a guiding policy for the Department of Justice. Uh, so we already know that. So that's not the end of the story, though. And so if. Mueller is not making that decision, it doesn't automatically say that Barr should then make that decision because a special counsel investigation of this kind is more akin to what we've seen in the previous 
presidential special uh, or invest special counsel investigations of other presidents, not of other types of things where you need to bring us like a kind of an outsider or a bigger investigator than the traditional processes. So that Pre- lack of that prosecutorial decision um, recommendation by Mueller really does not compel Barr to make that decision. All right. So still not having seen the full report, we do know the Mueller did want, want establish for one thing. I'll see if you agree. Three things, I think. One is there was massive effort on the part of the Russian government to undermine the American election in 2016. Right. Massive on many fronts. He establishes beyond a doubt, right? Clear. Uh, and especially because there was indictments from by and, of Russians. And that should not get lost. Right. Absolutely. Right? That's a major finding. Secondly, he does find there was collusion, maybe not a criminal conspiracy, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of meetings between the Trump operation and various Russian agents. Yeah, and I think on you're many fi- levels. I think you're finding that from a lot of speaking indictments of other people. I mean, you're talking whether right. or not it is uh, Michael Cohen or whether it is uh, you know other of uh, Michael Flynn, Michael or, Flynn, Roger Stone, whoever it may be. There are these, there are these, there are certainly these conversations, interactions, and so forth. So when Donald Trump says there was no collusion, that's not true. There was collusion, maybe just not to the level. Of a and, and as we know, collusion is not a defined crime. Yes, yeah. And then thirdly, he finds there certainly there were, there must have been some efforts to obstruct justice. He didn't dismiss it entirely. He just said, "I'm not going to make that decision, knowing what the policy is." So that's such a good point, I, I, Bill. Right? Because what you're talking about is if somebody if he didn't find the facts to be problematic, he would have done the same thing as he did with the the criminal. Uh, yeah. conspiracy part, right? Mm-hmm. And again, as you're pointing out, there could be collusion, there could be really bad things, but he just can't prove the criminal right. conspiracy. Here, there are really bad things, and it's the opposite conclusion. I can't rule out the fact that he didn't obstruct justice. Right. And that's so, a huge statement. Right. Really huge statement. No. So, I mean, it is not It is not at all the total exoneration. Correct. That Donald Trump claims. Correct. Absolutely. And the, the, then to, for Barr to come back and say and reemphasize that and, and and say, I just kind of I'm going to cut it off here. This I'm the final arbiter of this just concludes again that he is uh, a Trump appointee more than an independent uh, attorney general. All right. So how much of the report are we going to see? I think we're going to see a, 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 a this full speculation, obviously, but I think yeah. we're going to see um Parts of the summaries. So we remember, uh, like what we're, what we know of is that there are kind of these front page or uh, not page, but front sections that summarize different, uh, more in- involved or intensive parts um, that may have uh, more grand jury testimony and so forth. Th- what were what was reported was that uh, Mueller prepared it in a way that those front sections were essentially clear of grand jury materials. And then there may be like the the meat of it and the substance of it behind it. I don't think we'll see a lot, at least initially, of the meat and the substance behind it because that's, you know, the way that the document was created. But then we should be able to see um, a lot of the summary materials up front. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, I think we'll, and depending on how many sections there are and how, how many it's um, put out there, but at least if there's an executive summary type of thing, we need to see as much of that, um, probably the the full executive summary as much as possible. You know, with Washington being such a leaking city, right? I mean, <laughs> is it 
it isn't just a matter of time before the whole, somebody leaks the whole damn thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, That's it's, the expectation. Right? It's hard for me to believe that it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, more, there. More. I, it's it's interesting. Just I, one last point about kind of the versions. I was curious to when I heard this thing about the front page, front materials that are yeah. kind of the um, cleaner versions versus the ones right. that that can be redacted. I was always wondering why Mueller didn't prepare two reports. One was for kind of oh. internal, yeah. yeah, just complete. This cannot go out, right? Right. This is just for right. And then another one to say everything in this document for us is clean that can go out to the public. And why give Barr the choice to say you, you should take another look at this, right? Because the right. If, mm. if you have, if you're saying that yeah. this thing is all publicly available, and then Barr doesn't allow that out, that creates the real uh, kind of rub that needs to be investigated. That would have been a, that would have been a really smart way yeah. to handle it, right? Yeah, and it would maybe have avoided a lot of this conflict. But anyway, Hindsight. didn't happen. Was, <laughs> he was not following your advice, <laughs> John. It's why I'm not in those positions. Uh, he should have. <laughs> hey, Ed, thanks so much. It's great to see you. Thanks, Bill. Uh, again, uh, follow our good friends over at the Center for American Progress at AmericanProgress.org from HuffPost. Our good friend Travis Waldron joining us next uh, on many fronts. Lots to talk about. Uh, Give us a quick break, and we'll be right back here Thursday, April 11th. This is The Bill Press Show. All right. uh, Here we go on Thursday, April 11th. So good to be with you today. It is The Bill Press Show. We are live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Uh, with all the news of the day and uh, getting your comments as well on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, lots going on, and the sort of the utility infielder over at HuffPost on any topic here. Uh, our good friend Travis Waldron joins us uh, to wrap up the show today. Hey, Travis, good to see you. You too. Thanks Everything for having good? me. You enjoying this beautiful spring weather? It's the best. Yeah. My yeah. allergies are... Oh, kicking But up. other than that, it's awesome. As long as they're not like out in, I saw South Dakota, North Dakota, across the plains, man, they're getting this record snowstorm. Yeah, Lizards. That would be the end Lizards. for me. Yeah. Oh, if right they, If that would have come here mm. on a plane, I'm out. <laughs> can't take, Leave all my stuff here. Can't take it Gone. anymore. <laughs> no. no, it's April. No right. snow. So we just come off the uh, final four, the big four, and um, Virginia, bravo. Uh, and you are out there in HuffPost saying, that these athletes who bring all the money in through this tournament to their colleges are getting a raw deal because they're playing for free. Have I won you over yet? No. They're not playing for free. That's the key point. They're not They're not amateurs under any conceivable definition. So your point is that they should be paid. They already are paid. By? They're, they're paid by the schools in the form of scholarships and all sorts of other benefits. The argument in all of these lawsuits, in all of these deals isn't that they aren't compensated it's that they aren't compensated fairly and that the NCAA for some reason is allowed to price fix what they're allowed to receive we wouldn't accept that in basically any other business but we accept it in college sports but it's a cartel the NCAA (laughs) and the schools are dictating with each other entering into agreements saying I won't pay this kid more as long as you won't it's a basic antitrust suit. The well, NCA has been found in violation of antitrust by like four courts, three or four courts now. Okay. Now, this is not my territory. I mean, I am so 
inexperienced and unlearned in this area, I can't tell you. But you can't say that that giving somebody a scholarship is the same as giving them a salary. It's not, but it's compensation. It's contract. It's contract labor. They're employees. No, it's not. I mean, yes, no, it is. No, look, they sign no. into agreement in exchange for playing I mean, basketball I, for I Duke scho- or Kentucky or North Carolina. Okay, I set up a scholarship in my high school, my where I graduated. Right? Yes. Now, the kids who get that scholarship every year. I'm not. They're not getting paid to go. But to it's school. not in. But it's not they're, in. They're but it's not an assisted in getting no, but, an education. But that's not in exchange for labor. Well, they're the studying. athletes. That's their labor. There's, but these guys are uh, these these. The college athletes are getting these scholarships. No, but the scholarship is contingent on them playing the sport. And you call that working? Yes. Labor? You don't? Is the NBA work? Is an NBA is a professional basketball player and an employee I, I know, of I his say, team? Look, I know I'm hopelessly naive. I think there's a difference between being a high school player or a college player and being a professional football, baseball, basketball only, player. Only in our minds at this point. <laughs> only in our minds. The that, NCAA tournament generated you know, is the just, the NCAA tournament is going to generate close to basketball if you do that. Well, that you know what? Then the next thing is they're all going to have agents. They're all going to have. They're all going to get. The What's big, wrong with having? They're an all a- going to be getting the big freaking salaries that the that the major league players get. Who cares? Good. That's what they they generate that well, then money. It's, then it's then it is a business. It already then, is a business, Bill. I, I, the no, NCAA tournament to generated a, the NCAA tournament generated almost a billion dollars. TBS, TNT, CBS, the coaches, the schools, well, everybody profits. The NCAA, what, every, the athletic well, directors, that, everybody say, profits that, except the players. It seems to me the answer is then just wipe it out. No more. No <laughs> Fine more, by me. No more college sports. There can be. They could be that age, whatever, teenagers who are playing in some civic league or some professional league, fine. But divorce it from the college. That's fine. Entirely. That's fine. But but, but, no, but you, no, they I shouldn't think you're be... trying to have it both ways. No, I'm not trying you're to have it both have ways. Leave it on the campus. No, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. As long as you pay them what they're worth. As long as it's a fair business agreement. That's but, that's this we and, and by the way, you wouldn't stand for this if it was McDonald's workers. Well, I, if it was no, no, other, no, no, no. but but no, I, we're talking about. I mean, I mean, that's well, it's, another, it's a labor that's issue. Whole issue, of course, it's a, for a, a living wage, right? But it's a labor but, issue. No, I don't think it is. It is. No, it very much. It's very much a labor issue. It's I, an antitrust issue. But if, and if you're going to pay them, I would say. Pay the kids who are getting the best grades in American literature or Do the it. best grades in I'm fine math with that. Too, you know? Sure. I mean, don't, don't just reward just because the college. There are other, the just because there are other societal hoops. ills doesn't mean we shouldn't fix this one. No. I, I think you it, it, Just me, because college is too expensive and kids are having loans doesn't mean we shouldn't here's fix what, the maybe issue. Maybe college wouldn't be so expensive if you got rid of some That's of these not big, true. Some of these That's not true. And some of these sports That's programs. That's not true. Here's the stadiums are sucking up the, all the money. The stadiums <laughs> are an sucking effect. sucking up all the money for Bill, the sports. So the Bill, academics. the stadiums are an effect of not paying the players. The facilities, they're gold-plated because, they ha- because they're run as nonprofits. They have to look like they're not generating profit. And so they dump money into coaching salaries, executive salaries, and facilities. The University of Kentucky, where I went to school, uh, has a basketball, has a practice facility that is better than probably, I know it's better than the one the Wizards have. Right. All right. So it's better know, my, than. My answer would be get rid of it and give the English teachers more money. 
Look, or the I, math teachers look no I'm money. not opposed. Or the French teachers. I think you money. know me well enough to know that <laughs> I am fine giving teachers all the money. Teachers are drastically underpaid. So are the kids. So are these guys <laughs> who thousands of people. I you went know, to but, a Kentucky game. Way, I went to a, yeah. I went to a Kentucky game. I went home uh, um, in February where they played Auburn, who they later lost to in the NCAA tournament. But we don't have to talk about that part. Oh, oh <laughs> no. <laughs> there were 24,000 people there paying somewhere between 20 and $150, probably more. I bet they were paying more than Probably that. between $500 to watch these kids play basketball. Mm-hmm. The University of Kentucky Athletic Department generates millions and millions and millions of dollars in revenue. These kids, these dudes, are the stars of the show at the University of Kentucky. If it wasn't for them, those people wouldn't be there. This isn't this isn't something where you know you and I could go out there and play basketball in Kentucky uniforms. Now it's Kentucky, so some people would still show up. <laughs> but th- they are the reason Not for this money. <laughs> <laughs> they are the reason this money's being generated. Well, Why shouldn't they? Many. Once and they graduate, they're going to get all that those big bucks. So yeah. Not all of them. This is the peak the earning potential ones, for a lot of the will. best ones. But this is the peak earning years for for athletes. And we're robbing them of that. I just think you're, uh, I, I, I just think you're destroying the 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 classification, the difference between college and that that is classification. That so bad, business, big why, business, professional. Is that so why baseball? is that? Why is that bad? And is how is college basketball and college football all not already? What is the distinction there? Other than that, they're attached to schools. They're playing on ESPN. ESPN. CBS, they're all paying millions and millions of dollars for TV rights, just like they do the pros. Right, We're paying hundreds of dollars for tickets to go see them, just like we do the pros. The coaches are making more money in a lot of cases than their professional counterparts. I, I hear you. I just cling to the old-fashioned notion that there is a difference between like the NFL, which I hate. Hate with every bone well, the NFL's in my awful, body, but I'm and just telling you college that, football. I'm just telling you that the, if you claim and the, the uh, what's the national the NCAA NCAA, the NCAA. The right. all, you can cling to that all you want. It doesn't exist. <laughs> that's that's nostalgia for a for a world that is is so far out of the bottle that you're not putting the genie back in it. I just so you see so your answer is more corruption. My answer It's is, not more corruption. It's indie <laughs> yes, corruption. Do you want to talk about, Okay, no, that's a good seg to our boy Michael Avenatti. Oh, I have oh, to say yeah, before we move who, on. Who's I on need, your side? I, I, okay, you're right. on the same side as oh, Michael Avenatti. Oh, here. well then I changed my mind. There we go. <laughs> before we bang. move on. I just have to say before we move on. I'm sensing a, like a little bit of a crack in your argument, Bill. I'm, I'm feeling you back down just, just a touch. No. no. No, 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 not no, at all. Still not no. convinced. No. So in the story, I don't think college it, players ought to be played, paid to play. Period. In the story, no, there are all kinds of other things. I know wrong with the whole system, but I, I, don't, I, I, I cling to the difference. So in the story now, you reference, I'm like Michael Avenatti. <laughs> Michael Avenatti also <laughs> apparently thinks there's something wrong with these kids getting money. Well, he's talking much uh, like the feds. You're on no, the no, same no. side as the feds. No, no, the whoa, feds whoa, whoa, and whoa, Michael wait, Avenatti and wait, Bill Press. Wait. My understanding of Avenatti's thing. Well, first of all, uh, 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 Avenatti and his big fight with Nike, right? Yes. Okay, that's and he's what we're wrong. talking about. He's wrong. He's wrong. But is he wrong on his facts? Isn't Nike- probably not. Nike. Nike's almost <laughs> certainly paying these guys. Oh, okay. That. Yeah. That, that's what that's I wanted only to first cur- to establish. That's okay. 
So Michael Avenatti is almost certainly right. We know because of the right justice, in the sense that they are that they are that that the shoe companies have paid these kids, these guys for endorsing their product right? for where or for going them. to schools that are that they sponsor and endorse. Okay. The do, problem do they, is, I'm just curious. Do they actually like make spots wearing these? No, they don't make commercials. For, the commercial is just them on the court. Okay, wearing, wearing Nike, wearing Nike or okay. Adidas. All right, okay. um, right. So now, the the problem is, is now that, he's right that 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 is taking place. Yes, is he right in saying it's wrong? No. It's not wrong. It's only wrong because the Department of Justice has taken some bizarre view that it's their job to enforce the rules of the NCAA. Isn't that just a bribe? <clears throat> it's only a bribe because the NCAA has created a black market. If if it wasn't <clears throat> if it wasn't for NCAA rules, Nike would be able to pay Zion Williamson or any of these <laughs> other guys. Adidas would be able to pay all the guys that they're accused of paying. To wear their shoes, and we would call that business. We would call that me, if I was good at sports, good enough for somebody to want me to wear their shoes instead I have to pay for them. Um, I would sign a contract, and I would wear your shoes in exchange for money. That happens in the NBA. Tiger Woods okay. is going to take the course right, at the Masters right, today right, wearing right. Nike. He's yeah. going to make. He's got like a billion-dollar lifetime contract with Nike. That's just business. Right. So this does again. This does happen at the professional sports level yes. across the board. Yes, right, and it happens at the collegiate level. The coaches. What happens is the coaches, like Mike Shashevsky at Duke, John Calipari at Kentucky, Chris Mack at Louisville, go so on and so forth. The schools enter into deals with these companies, and the companies pay the coaches massive amounts of money to endorse these products to get their players to. But it's the players that are wearing them. It's the players that are really selling the product. And the players are getting the money? No. I thought that was that that was Avenatti's. Well, point. under the table. Oh, yeah. The, but so that's the way you're saying, but so the way so that the Department of Justice and Michael Avenatti think they're taking on big business, and Nike is a big business. There's also much bigger problems at Nike, like the sweatshops and things. But the way to fix this, the way to root out the corruption that you referenced in college basketball, is to is to hammer the NCA with antitrust cases. Because the NCA is the one creating this cartel. The NCA is the one creating the black market. You cannot take the money out of these sports. It's too late for that. You could have done that in like the 1890s. Why can't you um why, why can't they just prohibit these um endorsements of of footwear or or jerseys or whatever? Why why what's the justification behind that? It's still going to happen. These guys are worth, these guys, Zion Williamson, these college athletes are worth way more money than the NCAA provides. Again, I, and there's a highly competitive marketplace to get their services. And because of that, somebody's going to pay them. The well, way to fix that is to bring the payments into light. It's to, is to break up the NCAA's antitrust cartel, antitrust violating cartel. It's, we know the NCAA is violating antitrust law. Yeah, multiple courts have ruled that. All we need is somebody to fix it. The Department of Justice could do that. They've actually already done that in certain ways. A few years ago, they went after they talked about going after the NCA over 
the one-year scholarship agreements, and the NCA broke before they could even file a suit. And now you're allowed to offer four-year scholarships. And um, Avenatti was talking, but he was talking about again college yes. players, right? But Avenatti's okay. focused on the wrong thing. The big business, the big corrupt See, business that's causing the problem is not Nike; it's the NCA. If you actually want to go on some anti-corporate crusade here and take the side of people who are being exploited, you're going after the NCA and the schools. Who are exploiting the students? The athletes. Well, again, I come back to again. I, I, I know it's old fashioned. It, it, this all this, I consider it a level of corruption to to pay Tiger Woods as much money as they it's do not for corrupt. That's what Tiger Woods is worth. But, no, I don't know. But I mean, or what I, they think again, he's worth. I don't have a problem with that if it's professional golf, professional baseball, football, whatever. If it's at the college level. I'd say keep the freaking money out of it and, and with the it, endorsements it, or a, with the salaries. And I'm telling you that that's a world that hasn't existed for a century. There's been money in college sports. You know, I still believe in Santa Claus. I, I can tell. <laughs> you know, the thing, the thing, and the Easter Bunny and <laughs> yeah, right. the whole, the whole ball like, of wax. For me, for and, me. And clean college athletes. Yes. Right. Yes. For me, They're really all are, equally existent. <laughs> what it really all comes down to, just, just at, like the very simple argument that, that convinces me that this is, you know, it's time to just start paying these athletes and let them start making their money. Travis mentioned the, the the billion dollar industry about around the NCAA tournament, right? Um, people are making a ton of money. I mean, a ton of money. The billion but, is just for the NCA too. That's I, I was going to say NCA revenue. I was going to say you you go beyond that, mm. right? And you look at just the industries around it. You look at the college football championship and how insane that is. And everybody is getting filthy, stinking rich that has anything to do with it, except for the people who are the at the center of it, the players. Right. And in my mind, they deserve at least a cut of that money. And and uh, also, also, if you've ever been on a college campus with a that has big time sports, I, like I said, I went to UK. The the idea that these guys are getting a, an education, a real education in <laughs> yeah. return, is nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're they're out of well, class. They miss class multiple times a week to be at practice. They're they're working, you know, forty hours a week. On top of that, and unlike other students who are allowed to be paid to work at the bookstore or the college newspaper or McDonald's or whatever, they can't they can't do that. I tell you one thing: this conversation makes me all the more reason that I have never followed and will never follow college sports. <laughs> I don't give a rat's ass, right? What the college football, college baseball, college That's basketball. That's good, but you should be cool. Don't follow but, it at but all. They I'm should glad be now because it's even more corrupt than I thought. Yes, and it's corrupt because because rich it's and you want to know why it's the most corrupt part of it is because it's a bunch of rich suited white dudes making money largely off the backs of of African American men. I mean, the, the score. I'll give you that point for sure. Yeah, right. But I think that's also true. Of, I mean, at least it's it's, it's true of lots of things. But we should fix of, lots. No, of but things. no, no. I'm saying it's also true of professional sports. Yes, I correct. Think. But yeah. at least look, they're I mean, getting look, paid. Look at the NFL. I mean, right. Of yeah. course. Right. 
Uh, I want to ask you about something else. Okay. You and I can disagree about. <laughs> um, so there was this. De- I, okay. I, I really think that our whole policy, a little background, our whole policy toward Cuba is. It's going to start working soon. BS. The embargo. It's going to, it's any day oh, now. Yeah, any day. Any the day embargo's got to kick in, right. And I have uh, actually uh, tried to do something about it. Been to Cuba twice. Way, way back when Bill Clinton was in the White House, I was invited to a state dinner. I happened to be sitting alongside, seated alongside of Madeleine Albright, Secretary of State then. Mm-hmm. And I spent like the entire evening trying to convince her that our Cuban policy was BS and that the way to fix it to start was to take the Orioles down to Wash, down to Cuba and play the Cuban All-Stars and that Madeleine Albright should throw out the first Wait, pitch. Wait, you did that? No, that's what I was proposing to her, right? Well, the Orioles went down there, didn't they? Well, that they? was years later. Right? Okay. Yeah. But so take credit for it, Bill. Come yeah, on. Oh, I yeah, yeah. yeah. Come no, on. But at the time, I was Diplomat. trying to convince her to do this, and then the brothers of the rescue plane was shot down and all fell apart. Yeah. My point is, I thought baseball was a way to to start bringing the two countries together, and it looked like we were doing. It should that. be. It looked like we we're going right. to do that. There was a deal made, and then the Trump administration last week hardly got any fanfare. Just killed the deal. Yep. Why? Because Marco Rubio is angry and yells a lot. I guess that's probably what it is. Right? So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, mean it's the Florida the, Cuban, the Cuban community, community yeah. is very influential. They're very anti breaking this down. But I mean, I think the baseball thing it had a lot of promise, and the you know it, it said that. But if I understand, just jumping in, that the Cuban players could come here and play for American teams yeah. without having to without having to defect or right. to yeah. or to stop in a third country, which is the real problem because the under the model that so Cuban players have been defecting in much higher rates in the last eight to 10 years than they were in the 20 years before that um, for various reasons. Uh, and right now, baseball system is essentially kind of wet foot, dry footish. That mm-hmm. if they get here, yeah, they're eligible. And if they establish residency in a third country, then they're eligible. So Mexico is generally that mm-hmm. route for guys like Yasil Puig and um, a couple of the other big Cubans. The problem is that they're basically trafficked to those countries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like in the instance of Yasil Puig, paid drug traffickers or some sort of criminal element, according to reports, to get to Mexico. Oh, right. And yeah. so, by, you know, this idea that, so the reason, the stated reason for the Trump administration to rescind this deal was that. Paying the Cuban League, because what was going to happen was Major League Baseball teams were going to be able to pay Cuban, the Cuban League for the right to negotiate with these players, which is exactly how it works with Japanese players. Mm-hmm. Um, their stated argument was it, paying the Cuban League is paying the Castro paying the government. Cuban government, yeah. Which, which is no longer the Castro right, government. Right, right. But if, technically, if, that's, if that's your opposition, if that's your argument, okay, I get it. The problem is, is that right now, under under the status quo, the Cuban players are still coming, and who you're paying and who's getting who's benefiting are drug traffickers, human traffickers, and oh, criminal yeah. gangs. Because of this third right, like third. the cartels in Mexico are involved in this. The you have criminal elements in Miami and across the United States involved with this. There's a lot of things messed up with how Major League Baseball scouts and deals with Latin America and particularly in the Caribbean. And this was an opportunity to, it wasn't going to be perfect, but it would have brought a lot of it above board and would have would have made it much better for Cuban players and their families. 
and much easier for the teams. It, it, you know, you would have and it, you would have cut out a whole lot of this middleman mm-hmm. aspect that and those middlemen are in a lot of cases crime like criminal elements and and gangs and yeah. Well, there's that whole element of, which I was not aware of until you uh, until you laid it out here, which is very important, and very serious. And there's also just the relations between the two countries. Right. You can start thinking it's like the old ping pong diplomacy they used to call it. With yes, China, right? exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. baseball is the most shared thing that we have with the Cubans. It's it's you know it's it should have been a centerpiece of diplomacy. Right. Uh, Travis, it's always good to see you. You Thanks too. for coming in. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of fun. Travis Walden, you can follow him at HuffPost at HuffPost.com. Uh, we give the rest of the day to you. And again, we give a great big salute to our Ray Rogers on her way to uh, great, great new things with uh, Amazon, although we will miss the hell out of her right here. Have a great Thursday, folks. Jason Dick is here tomorrow uh, filling in. Be here for Jason. This is the Bill Press Show.